the University of California Riverside presents Blue, Gold, and Black, the podcast that's dedicated to amplifying Black voices at UCR. I'm Dominique Bill from UCR's Community Engagement and Outreach Unit. In each episode, we'll be talking to UCR students, campus leaders, and community partners to explore the intersection of being Black and being a Highlander at UCR. And I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. Let's get started. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Blue, Gold, and Black podcast. My name is Dominique Bill, and we are here to amplify voices at UCR. Today, I have a special guest, my good friend, Victor. He is an academic advisor from our College of Humanities, Arts, and Social Sciences, and he is also a UCR alum, so we're going to be able to talk about some of his childhood experiences, what led him to education, what led him to UCR, his experiences at UCR and then the work that he's doing as a professional here at UCR to make sure that he's supporting our students, in particular, our black and African-American students. Vic, how are you doing today, sir? I'm blessed, man. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Thank you as well. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it and get started. So go ahead, Vic. Tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, where you're from, um, and kind of some of the, you know, pivotal childhood moments that you had um, that kind of helped shape your black identity. Yeah. So um, I was pretty much born and raised um, in Southern California. Mm -hmm. My parents came over um, from Nigeria uh, pretty much with the wave of uh, uh, foreigners um, to come come to our uh, system of colleges and universities out in America in the late seventies, early eighties. Mm. Um, and you know, they were supposed to get the education and go back home, but they kind of liked it and stayed. <laughs> um, so I'm a product of that. So, you sure. know, I was born, um, born in the Los Angeles area, but I pretty much grew up in the, in the Inland Empire, uh, particularly in Ontario mm. and, um, in Rancho Cucamonga. I know everybody heard about Rancho in, uh, next Friday. It's yeah. A, it's a real city. <laughs> It actually exists. Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah. The first time I seen that movie, I was like, what is Rancho? And I was living in Corona at the time. Yeah, and then I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> first Even time. They didn't actually, they didn't really shoot it in Rancho, but, right. they, you know, where it took place was Rancho. So, um, you know, and growing up, man, I had a blessed childhood because mm. I was around um, so many black families, whether they were African, African-American, Jamaican. So mm. I didn't have a shortage of positive, you know, black father figures, um, positive women who uh, were mothers, friends, mm. uh, hardworking, smart, intelligent, mm. um, you know, kind of like the Cosby show, man. You know, a lot of people in our own group kind of think that the Cosby show wasn't real. But I'm like, nah, that's kind of low key how I grew up around, you know, other black families in a very white collar, blue collar type of environment. Right. So so hard work, respect for your elders, how you carry yourself, you know, per personal pride and whatnot. All of those things um, were instilled in me growing up, not just with my parents, but like I said, the other uh, black families that I was around. Mm. Um, you know, so for me, knowing education and hard work uh, was something that you were supposed to value was always there. So that really, right. you know, shaped me. Um, and, uh, you know, molded the, the man that I am today. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about kind of the fact that, you know, um, your parents were immigrants from Africa, Nigeria, right? 
um, and you were born here in the States and kind of grew up in the States. So kind of just talk to that experience a little bit. What was it like, you know, having, you know, African Nigerian traditions and customs in the home and then kind of maybe being out in society here in America and interacting with the black community here in America? What kind of what kind of perspective did that lend you? Was it super challenging? Was it fun? Was it exciting? Um, kind of unpack that a little bit, because I think you can kind of speak to the feelings that, you know, a lot of children, um, black children that have parents that, you know, immigrate, immigrated from Africa um, or maybe they came, you know, they were born in Africa as well and they immigrated to the States. You know, it's a very unique experience. So yeah, can you kind of yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, my experience is very unique. And in a lot of ways, it's almost even unique compared to uh, some of my peers who are also born to um, African immigrant parents here. Mm. My parents were more on the liberal side, um, you know, so there was a lot of American culture that we got to embrace in terms Mm. of even even if you want to call, you know, hip hop culture, for example, in terms of haircuts and style of dress and whatnot because both my parents you know when they were in nigeria they were you know they 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 were aware of you know american culture so you know Mm. we were very liberal but there were still challenges as far as not understanding um the connection right between Mm. you know being african-american um being african and almost looking at each other as if we're two different groups, but, but not understanding that, you know, we're the same, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. almost like family from out of state, right? That's kind of right. how I look at it. Right. So you had the challenges in terms of, oh, some of your cultural norms are wrong. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, in terms of my parents, them not understanding the African-American experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, because once again, for them, it was, you know, you're not taught that over there. You know, you're not right. really educated on... Um, you know, what exactly took place um, in America as far Mm. as uh, black folks are concerned. So you had your hardships, but at the end of the day, there was still an element of understanding. Mm. Um, I grew up, so uh, where I grew up in the 90s, it was a very unique place where it wasn't like your typical suburbs where you think it's just, you know, white people and Asian people mm-hmm. um, predominantly, but it was a little bit of everything. So mm. to grow up in my neighborhood, you knew the difference between um, somebody who was, you know, um, from India mm. or Sri Lanka, right? Gotcha. right. Um, or Filipino, Japanese, Chinese, Palestinian, mm. you know, like, so in a lot of ways we were well cultured in, at that time, you know, you still had that classic suburb living where you played outside, you went mm-hmm. to people's homes. So in a lot of ways, we weren't as ignorant. So that's why I say some of my experiences as growing up as, as a, a a son to African immigrants wasn't as challenging as some of my peers and even some of my family. Mm. Um, because how I grew up, you know, we were very much exposed to different groups of people, right? Mm. Oh, so you're Jamaican or you're, you know, from Ethiopia, you're from here, from there, gotcha. you're from Trinidad. But it still had its challenges. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And you know, I I like talking about that because, you know, as an African people or as people who find themselves in the African diaspora, you know, it's 
we all have our various cultures. Like even if you want to look at African-Americans, right? African-Americans from different regions of, you know, the USA, right? They have different um, customs, different behaviors, different accents, dialects, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that can still be appreciated and respected and uplifted while still having that underlying principle or that underlying understanding that, you know, we are all an African people and we do need to be connected and we do need to kind of respect each other's cultures and really our histories, because all of our histories are very intimately intertwined, even though we might not think it due to miseducation and things like that. So, you know, I just, I think that's a very important, you know, point to stress to students, um, especially students that find themselves within the diaspora, wherever you come from in this world, you know, be open to understanding that your brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, you know, you guys have uh, shared experiences, even though they might not be completely um, identical. So you had a lot of positive role models. You were very um, fortunate to kind of like grow up cultured and things like that. So let's kind of like transition to let's say your time in high school obviously Mm -hmm. education was something that was very important in your family Mm -hmm. because that's why your parents came here so um kind of just talk about that like the instilling of education as you know a foundational part of your journey um and kind of how that led you throughout high school to choosing which college you wanted to go to yeah 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 so on top of my parents pretty much letting it be known that, you know, you were going to go to college. So it really wasn't a, a choice. It was more so like which one versus you were going to go. Sure. That part was easy, but I grew up on the tail end. So like when you're a nineties babies or, or eighties baby, right. And you mm-hmm. kind of grew, grew up old enough to kind of remember what you saw. Mm-hmm. The early nineties kind of had like this sort of tail end of positive black images of mainstream media. Right. right? You had the right. Cosby show, uh, and other shows as well, but a different world. Mm-hmm. So I grew up watching a different world. Mm. And, you know, seeing that show made college cool to me, fun to me. Mm. So that on top of my parents pretty much letting me know that you're going to have to go to college, you know, really hit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of the fact that I had older cousins who went. So and I looked up to them. Mm. So if they were doing it. I knew I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really didn't kick in for me till um, pretty much high school. Right. Um, uh, when we spoke last week, I told you about for me what sealed the deal was. I helped my sister move into the dorms at UCLA. Right. And I was like, man, this is what college is like. So much fun. You get to live with people that look like you. There's no right, parents. Right. There's no. So that kind of solidified for me that, yeah, I'm going to college for sure. Mm. So my parents didn't really have any problems with me, even though they got divorced when I started high school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one of those, man, we can't find Victor. He's out running the streets and going crazy. Sure. I'm like, nah, I know what college is like, so you don't got to worry about me. Right, right. Um, I'm ahead up there. So, you know, luckily enough, um, you know, I'm a byproduct of being raised in the suburbs where, you know, you um have access to good schooling Mm. um and because both of my parents went to college they knew what to look out for so that Mm -hmm. they you know they didn't play games because sometimes you know in the public schools the public school setting they tend to play games um with minorities as far as Mm -hmm. how they track them without you knowing Mm. um they're tracking you in terms of who's going to college and who's not going to college so um, luckily enough, I had parents who were able to look out for me also 
in ways that I didn't understand till I got older. Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, my journey, uh, it, I have my rough parts, but I always knew I was going to end up in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, uh, I, I always valued education, mm-hmm. um, ever since, you know, I, probably middle school, I really, you know, took it seriously. Right. No, yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, just kind of talking about like, you you know, the, the remnants of like kind of like that early 90s mm-hmm. renaissance, if you will, yeah. of like the black image and everything, you know, was conscious and, you know, positive outlooks and all of that stuff, um, you know, the, that that's important you know that the the artistic and creative side that you know black people can you know express and exhibit is is very like foundational and instrumental into how like we kind of like develop our identity how we look at ourselves what we can see for ourselves what we can see for our people um so you know kind of having that context kind of assist you along with all of the positive representation you know from your family and extended family you know that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's talk about then, you know, your transition, you're getting ready to graduate high school. What colleges were on your radar? Um, Tell us that how you ended up finding yourself at UCR. What was the deciding factor? Um, And then, you know, we'll kind of dive into your UCR experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, coming out of high school, like my parents got divorced when I started high school. Mm. Um, and my mom had to work a lot. You know, my dad was around, but, you know, he was kind of doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a younger brother and a younger sister that I had to really, like, you know, look out for because gotcha. rental's not cheap. Mm-hmm. So my mom had to work, you know what I mean? And sometimes work two jobs um, just to kind of make sure that not only did ends meet, but our quality of life stayed the same, mm. which, you know, I'm thankful for her for doing that. Um, but... Uh, you know, it, I knew I wanted at the time I wanted to do engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I was doing my research, UCR was, you know, nationally ranked as far as engineering programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I wanted to stay local or I know I wanted to stay in Southern California, but I really wanted to be local. Mm-hmm. So the choice came down between USC and UCR mm-hmm. um, and UCR. You know, they they really impressed my mom and I. They uh, invited us to an event. Right. Um, and then we thought it was like an informational type of event. Mm-hmm. And when we were there, they told us, you know, they surprised us and said, hey, you know, you're actually you guys are actually getting admitted early or whatever. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was supposed to be an event turned out to be like a early. Hey, we just want to let you know that you got accepted. And, nice. Um, at the time, I had a uh, cousin. Right. Not a blood cousin, but you know how we do as far as it's like he's if it's your friend <laughs> of over four years, he might as well yeah, be your cousin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like our parents grew up together. So it's like Got it's you. more than just a friend, but like a brother. Got you. He was a freshman at UCR at the time. OK. Um, and so I came to visit him um, and between getting accepted early and I, I think they also even gave me like a scholarship or something. And being able to kick it with him for the weekend and meet different people. He stayed in A&I. Mm. Um, uh, so for me, it was just like, yeah, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Like, you know, you right. where I want to be. It's close enough to home to where if I needed to go home, I could. Mm-hmm. But then it was further enough from home 
where I still had, you know, my, my distance from my family. Because at the right. time, you know, Riverside from Rancho is only about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it felt like, you know, it was two hours away. So, right. Well, <laughs> depending on how the traffic hit. And it right, can be, right. Well, at know. that time, it, yeah, it was like, um, and, you know, there was no Internet or social right. media. So you really felt like I'm in a whole new world. So, right. um, you know, those two experiences kind of, um, you know, or mm-hmm. those three actually, you know, UCR being nationally ranked, um, me getting in early and then my mm-hmm. cousin being there and showing me the ropes. I really felt comfortable. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. I, I think that's dope. And, you know, it's funny, like when we talk about like how students or how people kind of end up at UCR. And it's funny because, you know, in my experience and even talking with other alum they're you know, a lot of times they say, well, it wasn't necessarily my first choice. Right. But, you know, similar to you, I, I, I went there for an event or I went there right. for some type of info session or you know for whatever reason they gave the most financial aid and you know and then people quickly realize like yo no it it, i actually should have this should have been my first choice all originally so let's let's kind of like just kind of talk about that experience a little more for you so you 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 chose ucr you got to ucr um did you stick with your engineering major and you know, kind of talk about some of the ways that UCR started, like helping you transition into that next phase of, you know, your early adult life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really quick before I answer that question. Mm-hmm. At the time, too, to your point, um, UCR, so the UC system, they had it where if you got admitted into the system, you're guaranteed to get into one of the UCR colleges or the gotcha. UC schools. And at the time, UCR was a feeder school. Mm. So a lot of the students that came to UCR didn't even apply to UCR, but because they were eligible for the UC system, Mm -hmm. they were going to get in somewhere. Um, Mm. But I always like to make it a point that, no, I chose UCR, right? I I wanted to be here. I wasn't one of those. uh, I didn't even apply to UCR, but I got accepted. No, I actually wanted to be here. Right. Uh, And so I I am happy that, you know, um, we no longer are a a feeder school. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you don't want to be here, then you ain't going to be here. Right, exactly. um, But to to answer your question, I didn't stay in engineering long. Right. Um, So I was shout out to the Burns College of Engineering. By the way, they're still (laughs) they're still nationally recognized. They're the highest funded school on campus. So any of our young black engineers, you know, make sure you do your research on that. But uh, it ain't easy. It ain't easy. And their advisors are amazing. I know a lot of them personally. They 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 really doing their thing over there. Yes, sir. but so, OK, I when I got into computer science, I did a um, summer camp program so that okay. I was uh, brought up to speed um, in math. Right. Mm. So uh, my mom paid for me to be in this program and I stayed in the dorms um, while doing summer school. And part of the program I was in every Friday, we would take a field trip to go to like a different engineering firm or something like along those lines. Mm. And I just wasn't really motivated or captured, you know, mind you, this is 2002. Mm. So the whole idea of being a computer programmer, it's not what it is now. Now it's sexy. Yo, I'm a computer programmer. I'm I'm building apps. Watch out for me. Like I got (laughs) stuff coming up. Like, yeah, I'm programming. Nah, bro. Like, Early 2000s, it wasn't none of that. It was a lot of, like, basic, <laughs> you know, yeah. 
uh, old school. So it really wasn't, it didn't catch my attention. It wasn't gotcha. that I didn't have the ability, but I, I just wasn't interested in that way. So I didn't stay with it long. Gotcha. Um, now, I wish I would have, of course, would have, could have, should have. But, mm-hmm. you know, social media and the whole idea of being a computer programmer, it, that didn't really get, I was already graduated by the time that really got popping. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So for mm-hmm. me, uh, it just wasn't enough there for to capture my interest. Got you. Um, so I didn't stick with engineering long. Um, I knew I wanted to do something in law or education, something along those lines, or even mm. law enforcement. Um, mm. And so I, during my early research, I realized that, okay, well, a good major for, for those who want to kind of do those types of things would be sociology. So right. I changed my major to sociology uh, pretty early in the game. Okay. And so <clears throat> once you kind of got into sociology, um, what was that experience like? Was it something that captured your attention more? How did that kind of steer your trajectory once you made that switch? Oh, man, it was it was, it was a perfect marriage because I, I like understanding how people think, how society yeah. thinks, how society moves. Mm-hmm. And sociology, you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily you can look at it as a pure discipline. But it has a little bit of everything in it in terms of psychology, yeah. ethnic mm-hmm. studies. So it was cool because I was able to really learn and think. And that paralleled with my own development as a young man right. um, coming into my own and learning about society and mm-hmm. where I fit as a black man in society. Mm-hmm. So I, it was actually the perfect major for me. Nice. And yeah. so, you know, when I talk of you know, all the guests that I've talked to, right, and you've already kind of touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but just having positive representation or role models, right, mm-hmm. mentors, you know, almost every guest that I've spoken to so far, you know, there was, they've always had people that, you know, pushed them along at certain points in their life, but it was always like a particular mentor experience that they had while they were in college, that kind of really kind of just opened their mind further, got them to approach things a bit differently. Can you kind of just expand on your experience with mentorship? Um, Obviously, your family and the people around you, you know, in your childhood were very formative. But what about in your early adult life? You're in college, you're still navigating. Can you kind of speak to the to that point of mentorship and how important it is um, for students? Man, it's... (laughs) It's everything, especially mm-hmm. somebody who is ahead of you, but not too far ahead of you, mm. right? Because, you know, challenges kind of change somewhat, but when they're not too far from you, they can kind of relate to you in exact ways. Sure. So I feel like one of the things that hurt me is I I didn't have that clear mentor. Like there mm. were people that served in like mentorship type capacities, mm-hmm. but not that one go-to person um so a lot of it was by committee and a lot of it was by luck through the my peers Mm. where we all kind of put a good peer pressure on us in terms of like holding each other accountable right um but there was one dude in particular that we all kind of looked up to in terms of uh uh myself and some of the other uh black men that were my peers that came in together Mm -hmm. um and it was this uh gentleman i think he's a dentist now ucr alum his name is Andre Burgess. Andre mm. Burgess, I think that's his last name. Okay. Forgive me if I got it wrong, but, you know, he was the, the man. We all looked up to him, mm. um, you know, because he was, you know, uh, a man's man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, the type of dude that, oh, people might be scared of him walking down the street, but this dude's smart, intelligent, articulate, mm-hmm. carried himself well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all looked up to him, you know, so he was kind of like, and there was a few other cats like that too, mm-hmm. older cats at UCR that were really doing their thing and that mm-hmm. really helped us kind of embrace the idea of, man, man, it's okay to be smart. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. more than just, oh, it's cool to be smart. No, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And this is what you should be doing as a man. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. um, we we had role models like that, not necessarily direct mentors, but dudes mm-hmm. that we had access to that kind of served as uh, models. And, and, we, and we definitely tried some, yeah, and we definitely molded ourselves after them mm. um, for sure. Absolutely. And I, we're, we're going to come back to this mentorship topic once we kind of transition into the professional aspects of what you do yeah. at UCR now, because now that you're on the other side, you know, it's still important to have your mentors, but now you're in a position where you can reach back. So we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. come back to the mentorship topic in a little bit. Um, but talk to our students, um, our prospective students, especially our black African, African-American Caribbean students. Yeah. Um, what was that? what was the black community like for you as a student at UCR and what did your generation or your class do to improve upon that experience? Man. So I I take pride in saying that I'm from, I came in with the class of 2002 Mm. because I don't know if it was a stroke of luck, Mm. um, but we just had this collection of really talented, motivated people so a lot of literally a lot of the clubs and organizations that are on campus today, um, I was either part of the early phases of it. Maybe mm-hmm. I was a founder or mm-hmm. people who are my good friends were founders of those mm-hmm. organizations. So, um, you know, it was it was amazing because we were an active black community mm-hmm. um, and, and we socialized like almost too much. Um, <laughs> Before they have, like, before the, the commons right now, that's not my time. So when people ask me, oh, well, what's good with UCR? They're like, mm-hmm. what's this? Like, yeah, this is the commons, right? But it wasn't like that before. Gotcha. So just like uh, on any campus, if you have enough black people, you're always going to have, like, a little Africa, right? So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, we had, a, we had a little Africa. So nice. that's where you would, like, go meet and greet people. It was right by where uh, ASP used to be before they they redeveloped that whole entire place. Mm. So there was a sense of community where you would just go on campus and you knew somebody was going to be there. And you, mm-hmm. would, you know, meet, you would learn, laugh, joke around, mm-hmm. holler at this chick or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. That's what mm-hmm. you did. Um, so it was just amazing because we socialized. But then it was also important for us to get our work done mm. and for us to be productive. Right. And at that yeah. time. There's no social media. So it's not like you can keep up with friends from back home or mm-hmm. friends in other places. Like your your social life took place with who you were around geographically. Right. Right. So you right. had to make it work because what are you going to do? There's no Internet. There's no Instagram. Yeah, you know what exactly, I mean? Like, so, exactly. uh, you know, you barely had cell phones at that time. Like, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like we still yeah. had the little buttons, you know, weren't even texting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what I mean? people weren't even texting like that. So right. we had this world onto ourselves that, man, it was just, it was a magic. You know, I, that that's how I like to use it, the term magic. Mm. It was just a magical experience. Um, it was lovely. It was wonderful. Like I said, it shaped me. You know, it 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 molded me. Um, we would support each other mm. uh, in, in ways. Um, 
that, you know, without those experiences, like I said, I can tell you definitively, I wouldn't be the man that I am today without it. Absolutely. I so think, it was beautiful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Beautifully said. And, you know, I, I also kind of want you to unpack a little bit, right? So back in the day, right, it was Little Africa. Yeah. Right now we have ASP, which is our African Student Programs, which is our Black Resource Center on yep. campus. Um, doing great work, but, by the way. Doing, doing great, great work. work. Doing great work. Shout out to them. Um, but this and, you know, me and you have had tons of conversations on how we feel about Pan-Africanism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that really, like, impressed me, and I've only been at UCR professionally now for two years, and one of the things that really impressed me is as I started kind of getting intertwined with the the Black uh, community on campus, in particular the students, I was just blown away by all of the different regions that our Black students come from, right? East Africa, South Africa, Western Africa, the Caribbean, obviously mm-hmm. all of the different regions throughout America. Talk talk a little bit just about that and what that vibe was like on campus and kind of like that underlying principle of kind of trying to embrace and empower like that Pan-African mindset that we have oh, here Oh, man, it was, it was lovely, but it was, it was dope. Mm. Um, So, for example, um, I'm one of the founders of NSA, right? Back in Mm -hmm. 2002, 2003, one of the charter Go ahead and tell us what that is, the full name, please. The Nigerian Student Association. Right. Um, And it was dope because the event was for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of the event, we usually do a fashion show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if one of my friends wanted to be down or take part, bro, let me give you some clothes to wear. Like, you know, it was a a celebration uh, for everybody to kind of get in on. Yeah. Right. Um, and like we would just love and support each other. So it didn't matter if you're Ethiopian from Ghana, Jamaica, whatever, African-American mm. come through. Right. This should feel like home to you. Absolutely. Right. Now, of course, you always had your beast here and there. But sure. a lot of those things were just based upon misinformation. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like those sort of like, you know, you know how we can get. Mm-hmm. But, man, it was it was, you know, um, it was beautiful. It was it was lovely. Um, because people got the sense that, yo, we are all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just have, you know, we're just different chapters in the same book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so at that time, man, it was very, you know, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want if I, somebody would go home for the weekend, man, I'm gonna bring back some jollof rice for, right. uh, you know, the homies yeah. or whatever, yeah. you yeah. know, and, or man, come through to the house for the weekend or whatever, you know, yeah. like, so, um, it, it was we were one big family yeah you know what i mean we were definitely yeah. you know one big family and it was the, you it was foolish to not associate yourself uh or, or feel like you had to associate yourself based upon like where you were from like sure like, well, what are you doing you know it doesn't even yeah. make any sense so yeah man that, that that was the dope part about it yeah no no doubt and you know i i love kind of spreading that message to students because Love where you're from. Respect where you're from. Always represent where you're from. You know what I'm saying? But don't allow that to, you know, don't allow that to disassociate yourself from your other brothers and sisters from different parts of the world, right, who have similar experiences under the system that we live. You know, it's very important for us to love each other, nurture each other and big each other up and represent. Right. Because that's what it's all about. So let's let's transition now to your professional career here at UCR. Like I said at the top of the show, you're an academic advisor for the College of Humanities, Arts, and Social Sciences, CHAS for short. First, tell the people a little bit about 
what Chaz is, what they could expect um, as a prospective student who's interested in various forms of social sciences, mm-hmm. what could Chaz do for them? And then we'll kind of get into specifically how you carry out your role as an academic yeah, advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chaz is the largest college on campus. Um, mm-hmm. We have the most majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beauty about being in Chaz is that you can kind of dibble and dabble in different disciplines. Like a lot sure. of our faculty members are uh, <coughs> cross uh, disciplinary. Mm-hmm. Um, so although they may be housed in philosophy, they may have a background in philo- uh, religious studies or media mm-hmm. and cultural studies. And, and that uh, dynamic nature in their own um, academic fields gets carried out in the courses that they teach. Right. Right. So um, that's what makes it somewhat unique that you're going to get different perspectives on different current issues and historical issues. Um, And working at a UC, you have to understand that, you know, the UC system is world known. Right. Right. So so you're dealing with faculty that are, you know, amazing. Sometimes we forget that, you know, that man, you know, these faculty are really accomplished. So these, these are intra- people like at yeah. the top of their fields, right. like doing right. crazy work. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but the but that's what kind of makes it dope too, because a lot of our faculty are humble. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they don't walk around, and so sometimes it's like, man, you know, sometimes you know people got to recognize. But mm-hmm. I, I've always appreciated that as a student and as a staff member. But mm. um, you know, you just get that dynamic nature and content. Right. Mm. So that when you're trying to grow academically and maybe even professionally, mm-hmm. um, you're getting a lot of that food for thought. Yeah? You're yeah. getting that input that should make you think about things in a different way. Yeah. Um, and even for me. So Chas were broken up into smaller units. The unit that I work for, which is called the uh, MDU, the, okay. mul- the multidisciplinary unit. Gotcha. Uh, we house 15 majors. Right. But they're interdisciplinary, wow. meaning that they take from different academic fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the majors that I advise for is ethnic studies and African-American studies. So mm. you get a chance to take classes in history and mm-hmm. sociology and philosophy and whatnot. Mm. Um, so you are really going to get challenged intellectually yeah. at UCR, especially when you start to get to your upper divisions and chats yeah. where, you know, it's, Hey, what do you think? What do you have to say? You know, yeah. like you're, they're not going to let you, uh, get by right just by Without, being quiet. Yeah, you know, you yeah, to, and, yeah. And you not having to, an opinion and thinking yes, critically. Yes. <laughs> no, so I that's think. Part I like. Yeah, no, I think that's dope. And you know, one thing that I also because I, I I majored in psychology, so I have a social science background, and you know, it's so important. You know, the way I like to describe social sciences is like social sciences give context to everything else that you're doing, right? So let's just say you're a a biology student who's on a pre-med track and you want to go to medical school, right? That's great. You can swing on over to Chaz, minor in African-American studies, right? And so now you can take your goals of being a doctor or working in the medical field and you can add so much context around what you're doing, right? You can get a full grasp of like, historical issues that afflicted the black community in terms of the medical system. And, you know, that way you can navigate through the space with 
a different level of consciousness and a different level of pride about the work that you're doing. So whether you actually major in one of the arts or social sciences, almost every major in CHAS can be taken as a minor, which is a huge bonus. Um, so never, never discount, you know, the benefit that social sciences and the arts can provide to you, even if you're in a more like mathematical scientific um, field or background. All right. And so transitioning from that, you're an academic advisor. So mm -hmm. try and tell the prospective students, yo, if I come and knock on Victor's door and I need help, what can they expect walking into your office? That I'm going to help you, um, mm -hmm. but not baby you, not mm. coddle you. You know, I'm mm. going to treat you like a grown adult. Like the mm -hmm. way I look at it, uh, our society says, man, if you're 17, 18 years old, you're a grown adult. Mm. So I'm going to treat you like that. Right. Yes, um, because I wouldn't be helping you get better uh, if I called you. So I, I'm mm -hmm. all about you getting better. And I'm all about you knowing how to help yourself as well. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So anytime somebody comes for me to help, help for me always looks like an education process because I'm trying to educate you. Right. right. You know, the whole saying, you know, if you uh, if you give a man a fish, he's going to come back the next day. But if you teach him how to fish, he can feed himself for life. Like, so yeah. I, I really do like embody that sort of philosophy in terms of like, I'm going to help you mm -hmm. and I'm going to let you understand <clears throat> uh, how I'm helping you and how you can help yourself right. and how you can get better, how you can learn and how you can grow right. and how to think critically. Right. Yes. Because one of the biggest challenges, and you know, this, a lot of young adults, they're, they're at that stage where there's a lot of big, important decisions that they need to make, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily have the skill set to understand how to make rational, well-researched decisions. So I'm all about that. Right. Right. Um, like, I can't tell you what to do because you're an adult. Right. right. Uh, mm -hmm. All I can do is tell you, well, these are the things that you, sh you should consider. Mm -hmm. These are the options that you have. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the potential pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're going to have to be the one that's going to make the choice on what you want to do. Yeah. And but, I think that, oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. No, no I was just going to say, so th that's kind of my philosophy when, you know, yeah. I am helping you, right? Because I'm yeah. going to help you, uh, but not in the way in which you think that, you know, you're going to be coddled or yes. you know, babysat. And it goes back to just, you know, the conversation we kind of had about mentorship in the beginning, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. as a professional, that almost is your job, right, to a certain extent to serve as a mentor. But, you know, it's deeper than that. You know, it's holding it's holding people accountable while also inspiring them that, you know, hey, you can do these things, right? Wow. You can be great. Like I, I say all the time, I've said in multiple episodes right now, you know, my uh, my academic advisors in my undergrad were the reason why I graduated. They put me in front of the people I needed to talk to and said, here's the resource, like, you need to reach out and grab it, you know. So it was, you know, a lot of, like, empathy, but also that level of accountability. And, you know, it's important for people like me, people like you in our positions that, you know, we make sure that we extend the hand backward, right? So that way we can reach the future generations that are coming in. But for those younger generations, you have to be willing to grab that hand. You know what I'm saying? You can't be too prideful. You can't have that chip on your shoulder. And you can't be shy and embarrassed. Right. This you graduating is going to take a whole level of support, whether it's yeah. from your family, whether it's from your friends, your professors, your teachers, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your dog, anyone. You're going to need that level of support. And it's important that you're 
putting yourself in a position where you can go and find those people on campus um, because they are here. And so, you know, as we get closer to the end of this interview, you know, me and you have had um, conversations on the topic of advising. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we talked about is like this holistic approach, right? You are not, when you come into Vic's office, you are not just a student, right? You're a student, you're a, a, a daughter, a son, a brother, a sister, a parent, you know what I'm saying? You might come from low income. You might, you know, anything. You have all of these different aspects that make up who you are. How, how, why is it so important for people in your position in academic advisor positions to approach their students kind of from that holistic mindset so that way they can make sure that they're servicing them the best way possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my job is to help you get your degree, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's going to be bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And those bumps in the road impact your ability to get that degree. Mm. Those bumps in the road aren't just based upon your academics. Right. Absolutely. So in a lot of ways, I think sometimes students think that, oh, my advisor can only help me with like academic issues. Mm -hmm. But if you're going through some personal problems, that's impacting your academics. Right. So by default, I'm kind of like, you know. Uh, in the mix, right? Yeah, Not to be absolutely. out in your business because I'm nosy, but I legitimately want to help you. Right. And part of helping you is, you know, letting you know these are the options that you have. Mm. And part of helping you is helping you organize your own thoughts, mm-hmm. right? So that we can kind of look at the different variables and factors. Like, I'm never going to tell you what to do, right? Because mm. that's not my place. But I am going to, you know, help you understand the different variables and factors that you need to consider, right. the different options that you have. Right. Um, certain realities that you're not aware of because how, how would you be aware? Um, mm-hmm. I've been to places that you haven't been, so I can give you insight on uh, your future, right? So in a lot of yeah. ways, it's almost like I'm having conversations with my former self mm. in terms of, man, there's places that I've been that you haven't been yet, so there's information that I can give you, you know? Right. No, yeah, 100%. And yeah. I just, you know, and I think it's important, and, you know, I spoke with... Uh, I don't know if you know her, but Dr. Denise Woods, who's the assistant vice chancellor of health and wellness and counseling and everything that she does, she talks about that holistic approach and why it's so important that a student's health is not just literally them going to the doctor. It's making sure their food secure. It's making sure their finance secure, their academics are secure, et cetera. And the same thing applies in the realm of you being an academic advisor, right? If you're food insecure, that's inevitably going to uh, <laughs> affect right. the way that you perform in class. So what resources can I get to you? Because that's what's going to help your academic right. performance. Exactly. It's not necessarily the fact that the students just can't grasp the materials. A lot of time, right, it's just those outside factors outside of the classroom that are creeping into the classroom in creating those situations. So uh, we have, we've had a a super dope conversation. Obviously we could talk for days and days, but just to wrap this interview up, I always like to end um, with what I call a little bit of black optimism, maybe with a little bit of radicalness sprinkled (laughs) on top. Right. (laughs) So, you know, when we, when we look at the future generations of young black scholars that are going to find their way coming through UCR, what would you say is one of your most optimistic visions for those black scholars coming through UCR and something that you're actively working towards in the work that you do on a day to day? Man, I'm optimistic that they're going to come to UCR 
and be a better version of themselves mm. and be a version of themselves that uh, will be an agent for change mm-hmm. um, within their own family, within their own sphere of influence in terms of like the, the people around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in whatever profession they decide to get into or mm-hmm. industry they decide to get into, somebody who's going to be a change maker, somebody who's not going to be a follower, mm-hmm. somebody who's really going to be a leader because uh, they have the confidence in themselves, their abilities, yeah. Um, and they have the, uh, you know, educational academic background to really mm-hmm. be a change. Cause you know how it is. You could have all of the passion in the world, but mm-hmm. if you don't have the skill set and the stool, the, 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 the tools to bring about change, then right. nothing's going to happen. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, they'll, they'll leave here being folks who are going to be ready. Um, and it's hard for me to even say that it's a vision because I'm seeing it happen. Right. You know, like in a lot of ways, I don't feel too disconnected from the students that I actually advise. Mm. Um, So when I see what my peers and I are doing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're carrying out the vision that um, I hope that they have. They just do it better. You know, just, you know, do it better than we did it. So, Mm -hmm. no, yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Thank you for the words. So, um, Vic. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Students, students, current students in Chaz, knock on Vic's door, shoot him an email. Yeah, he ain't gonna yeah, turn yeah, you, yeah, he ain't yeah, gonna yeah. turn you away. Not right away, at least. Right. Well, don't, <laughs> don't knock on my door now, because you know I ain't in the it's, office. It's but, a little busy, but you know, if you got if you COVID need, going on, so right. I'm not on campus. But, but if you fine. need the support, you know what I want I always stress to students, right? Like these are real people on campus. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And as a student, it can be hard. You might not know that there's someone that you could relate to or identify with in the academic advising offices of Chaz, right? You might not know that your athletic director is a black woman. You might not know that, you know, uh, um, we have vice chancellors that are black men. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's important for students to do the research, do your diligence, but also don't be afraid to reach out to these people, you know. Um, And if they don't respond back to you right away, don't take it personal. Give them about a week or two and hit them up again. You know, you got to be persistent in the support. You know, you have to take responsibility for the support that you need. So, um, Vic, I really appreciate you putting on as a former student and as a CHAS academic advisor. Um, thank you for joining us on Blue, Gold and Black. We were super happy to amplify your voice today. Um, and we can't wait to have you back on for the show for a future episode. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to listening um, to the future guests that you have on. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, I want to thank you, Don, for having me, and I wish you and this little uh, project uh, that's going to turn into something big and major. Or yes, mark, sir. My, mark my words. Yes, sir. In a year's time from now, yes, August seventh, twenty twenty-one, this is going to be ten times bigger than what it is now. Yes, sir. Already, yes, sir. You heard it here first on this episode. So, <laughs> right. Um, Appreciate that. Appreciate that. No doubt. So, thank you, everybody, and check us out. Blue, gold, and black. Uh, next time we have an episode up, make sure you check us out. We got all the resources for you. So thank y'all. Catch y'all later.
Thank you for joining us on Blue, Gold, and Black. This program is produced by the Community Engagement and Outreach Unit of Undergraduate Admissions at the University of California, Riverside. Learn more about attending UCR by visiting admissions.ucr.edu. And be sure to check out the description for other useful links and resources. Help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and sharing. And be sure to check out our podcast videos on YouTube. Catch you guys later. Yeah.